Welcome to the Lending Lowdown. I'm Iwana Barza, Head of Market Analysis, and I'm joined by CJ Doherty, Director of Analysis. We're excited to host our first podcast together. And for this, we decided to delve into a look at private debt and BDCs. And thank you, everybody, again, for tuning in. Now, the secondary market has rebounded a bit, but we saw a lot of volatility in the broader leverage market. Loan returns fell to two-year lows. Bids dropped in the primary, and the primary market uh, really stalled. Now, CJ, what about the direct lending space? Well, Iwana, initially there was the usual seasonally slower start to the year, um, and then the broader market volatility resulting from high inflation and you know expected rate hikes by the Fed led to a valuation reset in the public equity markets, uh, and this you know has contributed to lower M and A transaction volume year to date. Um, but despite this, the direct lending market has been open and, and slower to reset to changes in public market conditions. Add-on acquisitions, you know, add-on acquisition financings appear to have been pretty robust this quarter and picked up from levels seen in the first quarter, plus the dislocation in public markets has fueled interest in take private transactions. Yeah, and you know, direct lenders have a sizable amount of money to put to work. We have to mention that fundraising, you know, at times has been record level. It's been really successful. And so we continue to see these large kind of jumbo unit tranches. Yes, absolutely. Private equity firms have, have certainly been able to tap direct lender liquidity for larger borrowers. Um, you know, recent mega unit tranche deals include the likes of the $4.5 billion financing for information resources and the, the $3.7 billion Kaseya deal. Also, a $2.85 billion unit tranche backing the purchase of Mantech International. In addition, there's been several deals in the you know region of one billion or more, including the likes of CPI International, Tivity Health, and then there was the risk strategies upsizing, and, and so you know direct lenders are taking share from the broadly syndicated market. And CJ, just like the broadly syndicated market, they're now also not as insulated anymore from these market gyrations, and we have started to see that filter in through to the private debt side. Yes, exactly. And, and it has resulted in a period of price discovery as buyers and sellers in, in the private markets have sought to come to agreement in these choppier market conditions. Uh, and that also means, you know, a lot higher loan pricing for the borrowers. Yeah, on the pricing side, direct lending deals were relatively stable in the first quarter. And, and this was in contrast to the widening scene in the broadly syndicated market. Some of this was due to a portion of first quarter deals having been signed up in late 2021, you know, at which time the market conditions were really buoyant. Plus, again, you know, direct lenders have large amounts of money to put to work, you know, and this has arguably added some some stability. But yes, as you note, recently has been some signs of pricing starting to widen this quarter. Nothing huge, but the pendulum starting to swing towards relatively more lender friendly terms like price ticking higher, uh, leverage or less leverage, or, or getting a better covenant, or something documentation-related. Yeah, I mean, issuers definitely, we're seeing that they have to pay more. You know, also rates are going up, and, and we have to talk about the elephant in the room, right, which is inflation. Uh, but first, how are BDCs affected by inflation? Well, on, on a positive note, BDCs look to benefit from the rising rate cycle, you know, with higher rates set to filter through to interest income and, and boost BDC earnings. The fact that BDC portfolios are mainly floating rate combined with the shift last year on the financing side to fixed rate unsecured debt provides them with a, you know, a supportive earnings backdrop. And BDCs, you know, th- their position to benefit is LIBOR and SOFR base rates have moved above the floors, which are typically around the 1% mark, um, though the gains are expected to materialize in the second half of the year. 
as borrowers reset their borrowing benchmark at the end of this quarter. Yeah, so that's, you know, higher rates, you know, are good for BDCs, right? They're good if you're an investor. But for these portfolio companies, these higher rates mean, you know, rising costs of capital. So, so far, what are you seeing uh, as an impact on the portfolio companies? Yeah, given we are in the early stages of interest rate hikes, interest coverage ratios at the moment are generally comfortable, you know, with the likes of Aries Capital Corp reporting their their interest coverage is at nearly three times. And for Goldman Sachs BDC, it was around two and a half times in the most recent quarter. And that was unchanged from the prior quarter. So I, I think the magnitude of rate increases will ultimately be a factor in the extent to which we see interest costs pressuring borrowers. You know, so it's a little early to tell, right? We're kind of saying that. Um, And that is just one factor because there are a lot more very immediate concerns. Performance of portfolio companies has been strong, but BDC managers are closely monitoring their portfolio companies as the operating environment has changed significantly this year. Margins have been trending down. Um, Input costs and labor costs have moved sharply upward. And so challenges lie ahead for specific companies and sectors. The feedback in the most recent earnings calls was generally that sectors like software, healthcare, insurance, and financial services have performed relatively well, you know, aided by customer demand and robust sales. And, you know, if we add to that, right, to those sectors, the business services, all these sectors together make up about two-thirds of of BDC portfolios. Yes, uh, they certainly do. And, And even going in the opposite direction, you know, BDCs have shifted away from cyclicals in the last few years. Um, so I would say, you know, you know, still companies across a wide range of sectors are experienced cost pressures and it's, and it's companies with low margins, limited pricing power and higher commodity prices that, that look set to face the most challenges. And yet, CJ, I think you've seen that credit metrics look pretty good to date. Yes, I want to. Non-accruals remain low at just below one and a half percent. And managers also note that loan to value ratios remain low on a historical basis. That said, if economic growth does slow down, we may see credit quality weaken. And and I think the general expectation is that credit losses will rise over the next couple of years as inflation and rate hikes have an impact. But so far, you know, if we think about it as an investor, returns have been pretty attractive, right, for the public BDCs. And, And how do they rank against other asset classes, especially that we've seen all this volatility? Yeah, BDCs have outperformed the equity markets. Um, They are down around 5% year-to-date, and that's compared to a 12% drop for the S&P 500. And and I think, you know, this BDC performance has arguably been helped by their floating rate assets and and their ability to benefit in a rising rate environment. Well, um, and, and as we start to think about wrapping up, you know, to that end, BDC assets under management have grown. They're over $230 billion, right, through the first quarter. And and that's a 60% year-over-year growth. Yeah, and, and you know, Juana, the bulk of that growth in assets came from perpetual life BDCs. Uh, though few in number, their total AUM has climbed to nearly $55 billion. Um, the Blackstone Private Credit Fund, for example, alone has grown its investable assets to, to $40 billion since its inception last year. And, uh, you know, more recently, others have joined in. Uh, other perpetual life funds that have, that have come on stream include offerings from Al Rock, Apollo, HBS, and Stellis Capital, and there are more on the way. So stay tuned. 
And for our private debt and BDC research, visit us at loanconnector.com. I'm Iwana Barza, and here with CJ Doherty. CJ, thank you so much for doing this. And we want to thank all of you for listening to our first episode. Subscribe to The Lending Lowdown on your favorite podcast platform. Thank you.